Episode 25, after round seven, Geelong 13 goals, 8.86, beat Essendon 7 goals, 12.54. Jake and Ol, with me again. How are we, boys? Yeah, good, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm really good, Ro. We said before this match, Jake and I actually predicted an Essendon win. Ollie, the, the pessimist that you are, predicting a, a Cats win. You've actually got us this round. You've tipped us. All right. Fair play for once. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going against the grain and it somehow worked. Before this match, or before even team lineups came out, I think yourself and I, Jake, were looking a bit worried about this match, about Essendon's recent form, the last three matches after the the first two rounds of the season were quite woeful, but they looked to have got it quite good. And the, the free-flowing movement was back through the corridor. And I was thinking, and I think you were too, that they could really hit us in terms of their pace from the halfback flankers into the centre, and we could get really, really hurt through the corridor. Ends up being over five goal win. Happy days. The, uh, it's possible that the the game from last week, the Anzac Day game, that they actually burnt themselves out a bit. But yeah, definitely we seemed to control it from stages during the first quarter and pretty much from the next three quarters after that. But their run and carry we really negated pretty well and they didn't really get a roll on or a chance to start their game at all for the whole four quarters, which was a pretty good effort. We released the podcast, I think it was last Tuesday. You predicted a five-point loss, Jake. I predicted a loss. I can't remember margin. I predicted the win. Yep. Fair play to you all. Following the release, Joel Selwood out of the team this week with soreness, followed by Zach Tui, another heavyweight. And you're looking on this on paper. Parfit is included that we didn't think initially was fit, given the fact he was included in the first 22 initially. And Zach Guthrie... We weren't sure about, I guess, what well, I wasn't sure about with Mark O'Connor and Zach Guthrie together in the team with their small forwards. We came out and we won this match. Really, really happy. Beat them in the disposal count. Clearances. Eston did beat us, but it didn't really match. It didn't really matter because the misfits down back were just so excellent. Seven rounds in a row. Our defense has been absolutely superb. They slightly tipped us in inside 50 counts. Marks inside 50s, we doubled them. Our efficiency was absolutely superb. Beat them at contested possessions. Beat them in the tackle department again. How many weeks have I said this for now? A key, key change to Geelong this season. Beat them in hitouts. Really, really enjoyable match onwards from three quarters. Oh, how did you find this one? Oh, well, to be honest, pretty comfortable once we got to the the margin of, you know, three, four goals. We were never really uh, in trouble. They did a good job of just keeping them at arm's length for most of the game and then, you know, the, uh, kicked away at the end because, you know, for Essendon to have any chance late in the game or in the, the last quarter, they were obviously going to have to kick a bunch of goals unanswered and they'd only kicked a handful for the entirety of the game up to that point. So the likelihood of that happening was obviously low. Oh, I mean, as, as you said, the, the back six were just impenetrable. The midfield was solid as, as always. Uh, you know, the, the forward line, the, the Wolfpack, you know, they, they're, they've coined themselves, was 
hunting in in a pack and it just it worked they were just crowding the opposition and hassling and constant the pressure was just immense i was uh watching the game you know i, I just was very much um very buoyant about the the pressure that was pretty constant from the usual suspects like uh Dalhouse, Rowan, Myers, Atkins, uh, Parfit, who also had a bunch of tackles. Oh, just the defensive effort in the in the forward line has been the difference in the team. As you said, more tackles. But I feel like this has been the style that Chris Scott has wanted for some time. He just has never had the cattle to do it. But now we actually have the players that are capable. So it becomes the full ground defensive effort and the pressure that's maintained is so high and then we get repeat inside 50s and you're going to score more often than not when we have the players that we do. We've talked before about how well our scouting department, our coaching staff have done in the off-season to leave us. Now, sitting in the stage after round seven, four points ahead, and six and one, uh, incredible. With I think at the start of the season, most of us would be saying if we were three wins, four losses, or four wins, three losses, that would be pretty decent, uh, considering the opposition that we we were to face in terms of breaking even with the the matches to follow. That fantastic, as you say, regarding the the Wolf Pack up forward, Chris Scott, Jake, known in previous seasons and known throughout his time at Geelong as mostly a defensive coach. Did this match really stand out to you that Geelong's attacking and defensive attacking pressure stood up for you? Was it in the middle that they won it or was it uh, misfits down back? Yeah, well, to be honest, it was a, a pretty pretty even split sort of uh, contribution from everyone, um, to be honest, Ro. So if you look at our, at our goals column, three goals to Duncan, Two goals to Ablett, two goals to Kelly. You can argue that all of them, uh, apart from Ablett, Ablett obviously play a midfield or a half-forward role. So really, the only forward that got off the chain was Hawkins. Dalhouse had one, Rowan had one, but they missed their opportunities as well. Guthrie kicked a goal as well. So a lot of our goals seem to come from midfield thrusts and obviously, you know, you know, rebounding defence out of the the opposition forward fifty. I think that's been a key. Uh, obviously for us this season so far is having those Stuart, uh, Kolodashny, Blitzarves, intercept marks and then, you know, handball off to a running player, work it through the midfield and hit a target or kick a goal from those uh, rebounding plays. That's definitely been one of the most important things for us so far this season. This was definitely step one for the Cats in regards to winning the games that we should win. And we spoke last week about how that was an issue for us last year with games against Essendon and the Bulldogs, uh, games that we dropped that were games that we should have won. And we've we've come into a patch of games this year where we play Essendon, we play North Melbourne next week, and then we've got the Bulldogs after that. So for me, this was step one, as I said, of uh, capitalising on the good work that we've done so far and really pushing ourselves and locking ourselves into the top two and top four with these easy games, well, easy in quotation marks games that we've got to come. So, yeah, definitely, as I said, step one, and we just already have to look on to next week because we've got some outs, which we'll talk about later, that will have a big uh, 
part to play in, in who we play next week. I'd, I'd just like to probably add one specific point. The quality of the D, of the forward pressure or defensive efforts from the forward line has given the defence more time to set up and more time to set up behind the ball so they actually can set their structures up. And they're so well structured at the moment because they're given time to do so. Uh, prior to us having the the forward line defensive pressure to actually lock uh, the ball in our forward 50 and get those repeat entries, the the defense was probably the defense has always been solid. I mean, the players are the same as they've been for the last few years, but the defense was made to look worse than it probably was because. They were always under constant pressure because the forward line wasn't able to lock it in. But now they can, so the the back line can actually set up properly and everyone plays their role and it just seemingly looks, uh, you know, very... They're, they're playing like a well-oiled machine at the moment. Such a different team to last season. We're mentioning the back line at the moment now. Uh, Zach Guthrie came in for Zach Tui. Mark O'Connor is having an absolutely fantastic season. He's probably our most improved player. Fair call there, guys. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I would have to agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Jack Henry, I thought he did a, had a really, really good game. O'Connor on Tipper had a, an incredible game. If there's a reason why Jake Cole-Jasney has signed on until 2021, go and watch the replay of this match because he was absolutely phenomenal. Contested marks, use of the ball, along with Tom Stewart as well, just the rebound 50s that Stewart's providing, especially when Tui's out of the team, because Tui is the, usually the number one rebound figure provider for Geelong, given the amount of play games that he has played in row, albeit this season. And Harry Taylor to be in a rich uniform this season as well, keeping, even when Hendo's fit, potentially keeping Hendo out of the team. It's just really, really fantastic to see. Blitzars with the 1% efforts as always. And Joe Danaher, send out a missing persons report because <laughs> I did not see oh. him touch the ball. Yeah, Apart he, from he, that sort of yeah. fluky goal he kicked in the, uh, at the start of the fourth quarter, yeah, he really didn't have much influence on the game. And Harry Taylor did a really good job on him considering the game he had the week prior against Collingwood, where he tore him apart with four goals and nearly won the game for them. I don't know if he's still not fit yet after coming back, uh, maybe a little bit early from his calf injury, but Taylor definitely just didn't let him get a chance to you know, use his run and leap and mark at the ball. But yeah, all I, I didn't really see a lot from Danaher, let alone the whole Essendon forward line. Yeah, and they, they were also without um, one of their main goal kickers in uh, Orazio Fantasia, um, which which obviously impacted the result to a great extent um, because if he were in the team, they, they were likely to have scored more, as is their record at the moment, I believe, in each one of the games that they've, that they've won, Orazio Fantasia has played, and the same as uh, Tipper as well. And... He's been in, well, both of those players in particular have been in, um, well, elite form of, of late, but only in winning matches. 
not when the team, not when the, uh, you know, the, the team's back is against the wall. But, I mean, Geelong's defence didn't allow Tip and Woody, McDonald Tip and Woody any chance of really getting involved in the game. He is a dangerous player, but they did a terrific job. O'Connor deserves a lot of credit for his efforts. Potentially keeping Zach Tui out of the team. <laughs> but <laughs> before this match, we were, I was definitely worried about the speed. Speed through the corridor and the speed they possess through the back line, through the likes of Connor McKenna, uh, Adam Saad, right through to their forward line with Tip Moody, as you've, you've pointed out, and Bagley, who's having a, a good season as well. The, the pace they have through the centre, I thought we could be in for a tough one if they really, really push us and uh, get some running character through the corridor with Andy McGrath pushing, who did have a good game, to be fair. But Adam Saad... On our, the use of the ball, we didn't allow them to use it through the midfield. We didn't allow them to use it to their advantage. And that point you just made out, Jake, there in terms of one percenters or spoils and leading to turnovers and leading to goals, I think it was the very first goal of the game that was scored. Eston held possession about half back. Uh, I think it was a turnover, a bit of a spoil. We quickly got it inside 50, led to a Cam Guthrie goal. Yeah, so that... that- First goal came from Tom Atkins, who just watched the ball in the boot of an Essendon midfielder kicking it forward and, and just followed the ball in flight and got a hand on it, got it to ground and quickly handballed off to you know the wave of Geelong players that had already picked up in the fact that the ball was then coming forward. And Cam Guthrie actually kicked the ball that was marked by the Essendon player and he'd already started moving towards uh, the forward 50. And there was, a I think it was Tim Kelly or Parfit that sort of spilt it uh, uh, picked up the spill from Atkins, who got it to Dalhouse, who handballed it sort of midair to Guthrie, who was ready and waiting. And I said in the uh, player ratings that he knows when to go, which is a good uh, trait of Guthrie. He knows when to run, where, where to go if he needs to hold back. But he definitely knows his role, and that was to break the lines and pick that ball up, which he'd uh, been a part of the play, which caused that first goal. So, yeah, definitely the fact that we were. Switched on that early, and after I saw that first goal, I, I knew that we were in the right headspace. If we were doing those sort of intercepts early, um, that would go a long way to us finishing the game well, if we were already on at that point. We've talked a lot about the misfits there in terms of our mids. Without, albeit, Dangerfield, who we'll go, get on to maybe a little bit later, we'll talk about Paddy Dangerfield. Tim Kelly stood up, 30 disposals, 13 contested possessions, a good disposal efficiency amount, a couple of goals to add to that, 10 clearances. Sam Menengolajek, who we've been asking to really produce a bit more output in recent weeks, stood up. 28 disposals, 82% disposal efficiency. Key one here, you'll love to hear this, I know, five inside 50s. He just gives us so much when he's around that half-forward area, and I can't even overstate how important his delivery inside 50 years and, and he set up Duncan's uh, first goal as well that snap while he was getting tackled by two players and he just has that ability to take you know like a half second while he's getting tackled and where he has uh, free hands to deliver a ball to a player in a better position and we saw that when he did deliver that ball to Duncan for his first goal he had a, a number of strong marks throughout the center of the ground uh, contested marks where he got no knocked over taking the marks which he then used 
uh, in either a handball or a kick forward, which led to scores as well. And he also got Duncan his third goal in the last quarter as well. Uh, as a result of a spillage, I think he got it to TK, who then got it to Duncan. But yeah, he's he's really important for our side. I know that Ablett's sort of been taking up his his role a little bit, and that's not an excuse for Menegola, but he he definitely um definitely pulled through this game and and stood up when we needed him, especially with the loss of Salwood and Zach Chilly as well, who who Menegola actually pushes back a lot and helps the defence, and we saw that against Adelaide when he made that really long-running effort to spoil Josh Jenkins in defence. And he proved it again this game by having four rebound 50s as well. So he's definitely the first one that will get back to the defence and help out. So great job by him. Yeah, Ollie, when Joel Selwood is out, when Dangerfield isn't performing, to see the likes of Mitch Duncan, Cam Guthrie, Tim Kelly, Manigola stand up was just fantastic alongside the likes of Tom Atkins who finished the match with 23 disposals, 78% disposal efficiency, six tackles, which is probably the low end for Tom, to be honest. He probably will end his match at least five tackles. So he was really, really crucial in terms of turnovers, in terms of general plays. I know it didn't end up in a goal, but he's kicked a danger that was followed up by a handball to Geordie Clark who slipped. But Atkins was fantastic to mind. Grind Myers covers so much ground, Ol. 25 disposals, 80% efficiency. He was all over the pitch, Ollie. Oh, yeah. He covered 15 Ks for the entire game from, from memory. Those statistics, they were blaring statistics that our work rate was higher and the numbers, GPS numbers don't often lie. You know, that, that was obviously... Uh, very prevalent or an important um, important thing to note. Now, in regards to Selwood and Dangerfield missing or not being uh, very effective in the game, to put this into perspective, in previous years, had Joel Selwood not been in the team and had Dangerfield essentially been playing on one leg, we most likely would have lost just to... <laughs> It's yeah. it's it's just that blunt, um, yeah. But the you know the the feel about the team, the even contribution, the even spread, it just shows greater a greater sense of maturity. They seem to have started to realize that there's going to be life after Selwood, and these guys have to step up there's going to be life after Selwood there's going to be life after Dangerfield we have to step up to fill the void and players like Duncan Menegola Guthrie and so on they're the next in line and for them to fill that void just shows that they're uh, willing to do it this year and um, I think the quality of of the performance and the even contribution makes it more simple for uh, for players like Cam Guthrie in particular, he doesn't have to be one of the standout players in the team anymore because we have, all of a sudden, we have, you know, substantial depth in the squad when previously he was almost next in line after someone like Duncan because mm. beforehand, before we had Menegola, Guthrie was, you know, more or less the next in, in line and we didn't, we didn't expect Menegola to probably be as good as he's been. But 
you know, all credit to Sam. He's been very solid for the majority of his uh, Geelong career now. Overall, ter- terrific. I mean, I can't really s- speak any higher of uh, of the way the boys are playing as a collective at the moment. Mm. My best on ground was actually Cameron Guthrie. In terms of his work, down back, up forward, through the middle, as he said, oh, Joel Selwood out, Patrick Dangerfield having a, a shocker of a match. I know he got pulled off the ground, was into the change rooms, but he still spent 80% time on ground. So that's not really an excuse for me if the player is fit. You know, Brandon Parfit coming back from injury playing 69% time on ground, that's a slightly different story. You can look at his output and say, okay, I'll maybe forgive some aspects of those if mm-hmm. you're going to have a crack at Parfit for any reason at all. But Cam Guthrie, his, his use of the ball was really, really good. A few goals, great amount of tackles as well. Nine tackles, was all over it in a, another pressure cooker environment. He's become the whipping boy, Jake, for a lot of Geelong fans since, as we said, Jordan Murdoch left. Um, and he just showed this match why he is so pivotal to our team. Yeah, well, I think the Guthrie brothers as a collective have become the whipping boy for Geelong. But, yeah, uh, Cam definitely has gotten better each game than he's played so far this season. But I definitely think his best role is in the midfield where he can use, firstly, his speed and his knowledge of where to run, as I was saying before, uh, in situations of the game. But he, he's actually quite a strong player and he can he shows that with the nine tackles. But like Atkins, he, he can also grab a ball and, you know, sort of fend off or shrug a couple of players and get through traffic and then deliver uh, a pass to a player who's in a better position to kick or handball the ball to a target. I think that's a really important trait for Cam as well. And, you know, you see that 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 flowing dreadlock haircut that he's got in, in those long arcing runs that he does. And it makes you wonder why he hasn't played in the role he's playing now before. I know he's played a lot of like sort of half back running out of the back line and back pocket manning up on a defender. But like we said last week and just before with the form of Mark O'Connor, it's, it's definitely great to see Guthrie in the midfield looking like he belongs there and he's doing a fantastic job so far. Great competition as well. When you have this year, the club essentially identifying Joel Selwood being a wingman. So Cam Guthrie can be, yeah. be thrown into the centre. If Selwood is back, that puts pressure on Chook. That puts pressure on other players for a spot in the centre. Even Tim Kelly or even Mitch Duncan. If he's going to play in the centre or if he's going to play more towards between centre-half back, be that, that link-up player between the half-back and the, the centre midfielders. But it was an all-out display, probably minus two or three players. Uh, a Savaradaglaire unfortunate he doesn't really come into this equation because of the concussion that he suffered he spent less than 45 percent time on ground for the match so it was really really bad to see Sav go down Gary Rowan tried to fill his place in terms of just flying in the air and going for every aerial mark possible so Rowan finished the match with eight disposals and as we've talked about Probably the amount of disposals that we'll be likely seeing from Gay Rowan, but he still finishes with some inside 50s, a goal to his name, and creating a bit of pressure, just flying from the ball. If Sav's not there, flying for the ball, bringing it down and 
for the, the little mongrels to attack through the forward line. Sav going down, Brandon Parfit spending not too many minutes on the field, only 69% time on ground. Didn't have his greatest output, only the 15 disposals, although he did produce eight tackles, which was fantastic to see. So you can argue for or against in that one. Uh, the clear one is Patrick Dangerfield, Oh and Jake. Uh, irrelevant of where whether he went off the ground into the change rooms for a portion, having spent 80% time on ground, whether that be up at full forward or in the middle, wherever you are, to really come out with eight disposals and 50% disposal efficiency. Is that Danger's worst game we've seen him play for us? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah well, I think he, that's, that's, that's the, the lowest he's been. <laughs> yeah, Danger was a little bit off. Um I do think that the uh, you know the the knocks and the the rolling of the ankle and the twisting of the knee and falling awkwardly in that marking contest, I think they had an impact for sure. I think you know perhaps even the the extent of his injuries are were a little bit worse than first anticipated. But for all intents and purposes, um, yeah, he 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 didn't have the greatest of games. He was also rather unlucky it just wasn't his day because there was one instance where he could have received the ball um right at the end of a at the end of a quarter i believe it may have been Third in the quarter. yeah and it had uh there was like Duncan than, set him yeah exactly less than 15 seconds left on the quarter clock um duncan streaming through the middle and he's going to deliver lace out to dangerfield and the siren sounds and they have a laugh about it and walk off the field. But mm. that was, you know, that was just the the story of the day for Dangerfield, almost but not quite. Yeah, yeah. In terms of Essendon, their individual players that hurt us or challenged us, challenged us only really four come to mind, and that being three mids and and Devin Smith. So Merritt, Shield, and and Hebel that really actually took it to us. In terms of their defenders, in terms of their forward line, their forward line was nowhere to be seen, to be honest, as we pointed out with Joe Danaher and, and the likes of Bagley uh, that didn't, and Tipper that didn't really step up. And same thing with Hurley and Hooker down the back and Ridley that just didn't do their job. So a good job as well by Stanley the Rock over Tom Bell Chambers. Overall, a really, really solid performance against a team... We haven't played since probably the only team we played this year has been Melbourne in terms of a really fast team who were an absolute shocker on the day. So for Essendon to come out and a lot of Essendon fans I've attended the match with actually thought that they played really well. They played quite well. Geelong were just too good for them, which I was surprised. But coming out from that, I guess, just shows that we can do this against the fast teams. We can do this against Melbourne on their very best day, Essendon on their very best day, Richmond on their very best day. Coming up a few weeks, Bulldogs on their very best day, if they bring back like they did on the weekends, some shades of, of 2016. Really, really good signs. What was a, a moment for you, Jake, or your, your best on ground for this match against Essendon? It's hard. There's probably about five plays you could fit into a best on ground category. Um, I'd have to say 
I'd have to say Mitch Duncan, actually. I'm pretty sure I nominated Mitch Duncan for my Cloud of Cat of the Week last week, too. So I'm going to have to back myself here and say that I did do that and that he is my best on ground. <laughs> um, I think the the best moment for me was Grind Myers' later tackle on Connor McKenna during the second quarter, I believe, where similar to Gary Rowan's, uh, you know, 100-meter sort of run on Tom Phillips in the first round against Collingwood. Myers had a similar sort of run where he, he knew that McKenna was going to get the ball and he sort of tracked him from about three disposals before that and over the, the space of about 70 metres just sort of tracked him and then got him right before he took his kick and it was awesome. And I, I yelled. How <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> about you, Ollie? Who was your, the player that really sparked to you, or caught your eye or a moment in the match that you just absolutely got it up and cheered for? Uh, I would think that my best on ground would have probably been uh, Tim Kelly. There was a stock standard, high quality, high efficient, smooth moving game from from Kelly. It's just phenomenal that he is only a second year player, an absolute uh, diamond, um, absolute gem of a, a player. So it's just uh, going to be interesting in the in the coming weeks and and uh, coming months as the as the season goes on in terms of a specific moment Gary Ablett's snap goal where he balked a couple of players and uh, ran through a, you know the, the the congestion and and snapped it around uh, snapped it around the corner when Essendon were rebounding out of defensive 50 but the pressure on them was just too immense and they they turned it over because uh, the usual suspects as in previous weeks Rowan, uh, Delhouse, Myers and Atkins were all involved in the piece of play that eventually uh, led to you know the talisman of the Geelong forward line in, in Gary Ablett really the diamond or the jewel in our crown, more or less. Uh, he just finished it off in typical Ablett style. Young and the old combining. The, the second week in a row, following the start of some booing in Hawks match towards Gary Ablett, I want to spend actually a bit of time on this, boys. That's how much time I want to spend on this. Are we all in unison? Can we move on now? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe a few seconds. Thanks. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, you're going to get that. He's he's one of the greatest players that's ever played the game. Um, that's that is undeniable. That is a, you know, that that's just the way that it is. That's just the facts. Hey, we have a bit of a short break, answer some Q and A questions, and then maybe preview round eight hopefully go seven to one against north melbourne in docklands boys that's good no worries the vfl boys also played on the weekend jake Lockie Henderson returning from injury, playing some limited time. Also, another senior player, Scooter Selwood, that we haven't seen in a while. How did the boys go? Yeah, it was a, well, 
I wouldn't say it was a good return for them, but it was definitely a welcome return for Henderson and Scott Selwood. So Henderson had 17 disposals and seemed to play on Sam Draper for a majority of the game, the game when he was forward, kept him to eight or so disposals. Um, Selwood had 13-odd disposals and six tackles. Um, so it's good to be good to see them in the VFL team getting some miles into their legs, obviously coming off their respective injuries. Um, if we're wanting to talk about players in the VFL, there's two names that I'll read out to you in a couple of stats. Charlie Constable, 25 disposals, six marks, 11 tackles. Ryan Abbott had two goals, 19 disposals, four marks, four tackles, and 37 hitouts. I would not be surprised to see both of these players come into the team next week, probably for Asava Radigalea and maybe Jordan Clark or... Ablett if he comes out, which he probably is at this stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, A one-week sus- suspension handed down by Michael Christensen for Gary Ablett on his hit or strike, whatever you like to call it, on Dylan Shield. Whether that will be contested or not, I'm not sure. I, I don't think it will. What about your thoughts? Holding that in mind, Mac McKnight, asks, what are your thoughts on the suspension of Gary Ablett and do you believe the club should challenge? If they do, what evidence do you think they have to get it turned over? Boys? It just um, seemed like clumsy. Uh, obviously, he was trying to just attack the ball out of Dylan Shield's hands, but obviously that elbow came up and hit Shield in the face. I don't think, personally, he intentionally was trying to hit Shield in the face, but it just was clumsy. And to be honest, I'm not actually that aggrieved that that's a one-week suspension. If it was any other player, it probably would have been. But the fact that we were going to rest Gary Ablett probably next game or over the next fortnight anyway, it sits a bit better with me uh, with that fact as, as this is going to just act as like a forced rest for him. So um, I'm not actually that worried about Ablett being suspended. Obviously, I would like if he didn't get a suspension as this was the first one for his whole career. But all I think I think we can cop this one considering we we're going to give him a rest anyway. I, I tend to agree with your thoughts in that regard. Um, there's also the in, t- in terms of in terms of what Geelong could use in in a defence of uh, Gary or to build a case for Gary would be that the fact that Shield ran out the game and the fact that Shield played well and you know the contact really didn't seem that great. As you said, it just seemed rather clumsy at the time. I don't think. It was overly intentional. Yeah, not not particularly high impact. Obviously, medium or mid mid range and or high range uh, contact made because it's made to the to the neck head region. But um, in terms of the uh, the force behind it, I don't think there was substantial force for anything more than than one week, if that. But as you said, it's probably a blessing in disguise at some stage for uh, for Ablett to have one of these uh, these rests because now he can use this if he does have that week or if it if the decision does not get overturned. He yeah he's uh, given a forced rest and can rest up for. Uh, for the game following the Kangaroos. Ollie Richard Ian asks, how important do you think a confident and informed Cam Guthrie is to the Cats 
I've just outlined him as my best on ground over the weekend. Richard says, I, f- I feel he is a very underrated and offers a lot to the Cats. Another dimension. Thoughts there? Oh, yeah, most certainly. We, uh, we, you know, we spent just a few minutes just before just discussing the, uh, the, the qualities of, uh, of Cam Guthrie when he's in good form. Mm. What I would say, Richard, is Dylan Shield finishes the match with 33 disposals. Did he really hit us on the scoreboard hard? Did he really do anything that hurt us that hard? 33 disposals going at 72, 73% disposal efficiency. Four tackles, no goals, still no goals to his name, only the one goal assist. Meanwhile, Cam Guthrie, the 25 disposals with a lot less time on ground, 73%, as opposed to Tim Kelly, who spent over 90% time on ground. The nine tackles, as we pointed out, two goal assists, a goal to his name, five centre clearances, an absolute sublime performance from Cam Guthrie, I think. It outlines how important he is. We've seen him playing on the wing. We've seen him playing halfback. This match, we saw him playing, playing through the centre. He is in our best 22. Jake, Liam Hollingsworth asks, anyone you think we can snag in the mid-season draft? I reckon we should get Aaron Black again, just because he's such a good bloke, to be honest. But I don't think uh, <laughs> with, all of our, uh, with all of our VFL reserves, all our players that we have in our VFL reserves, uh, we should get any. I think the mid-season draft is sort of just a break glass in case of emergency. You know, in case we lost, you know, two or three ruckmen or players of the same position with severe injuries. Uh, I think that's what the mid-season draft is there for. I, I'm not aware off the top of my head of all the players who have signed up for the mid-season draft, but I don't think we would want to change up our, our formula so uh, too much so far. In the year, I think we're going pretty well with the players that we've got already, and we've got some. We're all, we're already struggling to get players back in the team as is. So I think we're fine to be honest, barring any major injuries to uh, important players in our team. Ollie Sam Batty says, "My question is: at the start of the season, all these nuffies in the media, we had, well, I had Zach Tui called Cameron Ling and Nuffy on. I think it was the Cats podcast, so we'll put that in there." <laughs> Well-respected enoughies too in their top eight predictions left along out for 2019. Why? We've absolutely smashed expectations and I feel vindicated in one-eyed optimism. Why do people keep riding off these champions year after year? <laughs> Why would anybody go for a team other than Geelong? Well, well, you know, if we are, um, if we're to be completely honest, I think we, we would say much the same. Um, you know, we're, we're Geelong through and through. I know I am for sure, um, have been all my life, so it's never going to change. That was always the way for me. In terms of uh, the media uh, discussion or the their pre-season predictions of, of ladders and so forth, um, I think I've said this in, in previous weeks or... Uh, on uh, on previous episodes or perhaps in a, a, a various posts on online or something um, that uh, we don't necessarily need to pay a great amount of uh, attention or um, yeah we, do, we don't necessarily need to listen too much to the opinions of um, of the media because a lot of the time they'll they'll obviously just look to 
create stories and sell papers and these sorts of things. But um, in terms of like, they're all obviously all warranted to to have their have their uh, opinions about the the nature of that. I mean, nobody could have predicted what has happened this season with Geelong so far. Um, and it's probably yeah, it's probably it's probably reasonably sensible to suggest that we would have been. Um, you know, six to eight or perhaps just outside the eight if things didn't go the way that they have. This has just been a, a, a complete, uh, out. Of, yeah, it's like a bolt from the blue type um, scenario for us at the moment. Um, nobody saw this coming and it just seems to have, everybody seems to have gelled. Um, so... You know, while whilst the 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 media was warranted in having probably some of the opinions they they did about elements of our depth and and so forth, um, and whether other players were going to step up to fill the void behind, um, you know, the the holy trinity as it was called. I think that that's that was actually warranted criticism in some respects because plenty of uh, there were plenty of instances or much, uh, plenty of evidence to suggest that players weren't stepping up. So we, I was definitely questioning whether they would at some point in time, but I'm just over the moon to to see that they are starting to take a bit more responsibility and the changes that have been made have made such a distinct impact. But we should enjoy it for what it is at the moment. Exactly. What I would add, Sam, is that I actually don't mind being under the radar, the Cats being under the radar and the media when they are first. I'll bring in Adelaide when they were pretty much a shoe-in for the Premiership a couple of seasons ago, (laughs) were thought of to be the best team in terms of defence, midfield, forward line, all over the media, plastered, how can Adelaide be beaten? And... Yep, they were they were shown up and they were made silly. So I'm actually happy flying under the radar for us, and I think it is partly because that all right, well, Hawks fans, Essendon fans, Collingwood fans, they will outnumber us at games in terms of when it's played at the MCG. But you can't argue with six and one. The game, the teams that we have played against, you'd think would be top eight contenders or, or definitely in the top eight. Most of them, so. I'm in agreement, Sam, to an extent. I think a lot of people don't quite really respect how just how well Geelong have performed, and there is still a lot of spotlight and the likes of Collingwood, etc. But at the same time, I'm happy flying under the radar. Yeah, I I don't necessarily want I don't necessarily want the media to talk about us every second of the day, every second of a broadcast, or I don't want Geelong filling the papers because I don't think we wouldn't that is going to ever be the case because we are a regional club in a largely metropolitan uh, and uh, Victorian based uh, league um, but we should embrace that and we should get used to it because I think we probably are used to it um, but I, I think some of the, the some of the fans uh, they just want uh, credit given where they think it's due. But, you know, for Geelong to remain 
under the radar. Just think of how sweet it would be if we actually did something pretty substantial in the coming seasons or even maybe this year and, um, you know, surprised everyone. How good would that be? Exactly. Jake, to finish with, Mr. Positivity, as always, Ben Jarman says, Colo is such an underrated player. Love his work every week. Throw the checkbook at Kelly. He's a superstar and will only get better. Duncan this week was amazing. Filled the massive gap left by Danger and Selwood. The back six misfits amaze me every week. Love the podcast as well, boys. Keep it up. Yeah, cheers, Benny. Um, definitely, Colo is, is starting to get some recognition this week. There was an article, I think it was a Geelong advertiser, they were talking about him being in all-Australian form. And I didn't believe it when I read it, but then I opened the article and, and read, the, read it and it said that he, at the time of writing, had only conceded three goals against direct opponents. So two against Jamie Elliott in round one and one against Brent Daniels, uh, sorry, Daniel Lloyd against GWS. So they're fantastic. That That, that is fantastic reading um, about Kolodashny. And he did have three goals kicked on him against Stringer. Uh, against Essendon, but I think uh, as a whole, he it was a pretty even contest between him and Stringer, and he definitely broke even. He had four intercept marks and 11 marks total, and he, he definitely helped Geelong uh, stymie a lot of the inside 50s for Essendon. Kelly is probably worth about 800k uh, a year now, and he he's making it very hard for Geelong to A, keep him, and B, find the right figure to keep him at the end of the year. And we know that there's a couple of clubs in Western Australia that want him desperately as well. So Duncan does his job every single week. And I said last week in the player ratings, I'm running out of things to talk about him. He just does his job every week so well. It's 25 disposals, a goal, five tackles, and you know eight marks every single week. And this week he had three goals, which was fantastic. And he stood up when Selwood and Dangerfield were out of the picture. Um, the back line as a whole, the misfits, um, they're the best defence in the competition for a reason. They work so well as a team. Stewart has come from the clouds um, to be one of the best, I'd say probably top five defenders in the AFL at the moment for, for his position. He's been fantastic. And Blitzarves and Collar have had, well, we know the year that Blitzarves had last year and Collar Dashney is so far having a career best year, as we talked about before. So a uh, great comment there, Ben. Um, Thanks for listening to the podcast, and there'll be plenty more for the rest of the year. Fine. That'll think we could start previewing next round, Sunday, at Docklands against North Melbourne, a team that pushed us in 2018 down at Kenya Park. They have had some emissions this season that I think have really hurt them, those two being Jared Waite from the forward line has left Ben Brown a bit more uh, less open. And... Down the back line, especially more exposed, Majak Dor obviously being out, even with the recruits of Justin Pittard and and Pollock. I think that's actually quite hurt a bit. Slowly getting the rhythm together back now, not actually a, a very bad side. The look, look at the ladder right now, yep, all right, you'd say, okay, we need to win the match. But yeah, they could have beat Brisbane. They've just flogged Carlton. Carlton didn't play very well at all. But the players that really did need to step up in recent weeks, i.e. Jack Zebel, turned it on for me. Yeah, this this is by no means going to be a, a walk in the park. 
Um, and as I've said, or as we've we've said in previous weeks, the the intensity has to be there from you know the first minute to the last. We can't be complacent. North Melbourne ladder position is somewhat irrelevant. Um, they they probably won't make finals, um, and they may they may even be uh, you know coming to terms with that at this stage that they're going to be up against it to push for the eight. So um, they'll be looking for a scalp, even to just restore some pride at some point in time. Um, so we have to be we have to be ready for them to throw, you know, everything they can muster at us. Um, and they've got some players that have some genuine quality and they've got some players that can hurt opposition. Ben Cunnington yeah. is one of the best midfielders in the competition. You know, absolutely. He's a, he's a rock. Yeah, he is a, sol- he is a solid, solid player. He's a, he's a beast. Um, as you said, uh, Zebel is very solid. Ben Brown can get off the chain and he's obviously, you know, he's an effective forward and kicks a lot of goals, finishes rather high in, in the Coleman particularly in the last uh, last couple of seasons. Um, I would back our defence in our, our back six to quell his influence to, to a degree. Mm. Uh, but they have to still be, you know, we have to be honest and um, yeah. treat this game on its merits as we always ought to do. Other than that, yeah, they've, they've, they've still got some, they've still got some talent. They've, they've brought in Pollock, who's a good player, uh, Pittard, who's a, you know a, a highly serviceable player as well, um, can sometimes uh, butcher the ball a little bit, but he he is experienced and um, knows where to be and does make you know decent decisions a lot of the time and is a pretty effective rebound player. Aaron Hall's not the worst player. Um, they haven't had obviously a good year up to this point at all, but their list isn't as bad as the results suggest. Just hasn't clicked yet, Jake. Those names on paper that Ollie just mentioned, the likes of Cunnington, Sean Higgins to add to that. Aaron oh, didn't Hall didn't play over the weekend. Him. Yeah, Aaron Hall didn't play on the weekend, but he's quite a good player and quite a good recruit. Anderson had a good game. They've got some young kids coming through. Davis Inyaki. Uh, Goldie as well, one of the best ruckmen. Obviously, Max Gone and and Grundy are, are the top two, but he will be a, a really tough opposition coming off 16 disposables, two goals, and will, will really pressure, pressure us in the in the ruck division with Sav likely out. And we'll talk about some omissions to come. Mason Wood and Ben Brown up forward. How do you see this unfolding? Yeah, well, I think I said it last week that I definitely don't want to be the team that you know sparks North Melbourne back into form, and thankfully Carlton did that for us uh, this past week. On the the issue we have to deal with now is that North Melbourne have got some confidence, and they seem to have worked out a game style that works for them this year. Cam Zerhau popped up with five goals and got the Rising Star nomination this week, and I was a bit salty that it wasn't Grind Myers, but 
they look mm. to have found a formula that works really well for them and obviously led by Ben Brown in the forward line. I think Mason Wood is in their best team. He just needs to find some form and he's starting to look like he's doing that. They might bring Jared Polak back in um, and add some extra run to their team because I think a lot of clubs know that it's that running game style that can get Geelong if, if they know how to do it properly. Uh, I think our defence would have no issues with adapting to quicker entries and more entries inside 50, but it's just about if they can jump us and, and capitalise on, you know, like a six-goal quarter or a seven-goal quarter and then just lock down and hold out for the rest of the game. I think that's probably the only way the teams are going to beat us this year. If they get on a run and we're, we aren't able to adjust and, and fix up any issues within, you know, like a 30-minute or a quarter period, and they pile on five, six, seven goals, and and then it sort of sort of reminds me of the the games of old that we had against North Melbourne. Even that elimination final we had, where they kicked I think six goals in the first quarter, and we just sort of crawled back the rest of the game and eventually just missed out. But I think uh, obviously on paper our form line now suggests that we should win this game easily. But uh, again, I wouldn't want to go into any game overconfident or have any complacency against any team. We know what North Melbourne can do, and Playing any of these teams in the sort of middle to lower tier of the ladder is always dangerous because you can never know if they have that one game, you know, like North Melbourne did and like the Bulldogs did against Richmond where they can jump up and hit the teams that might not expect it. So uh, definitely not 100% sold on a win for this game, but confident enough that we'll get the job done. So, yeah. I'd also like to mention um, whether whether or not it's the fact of... uh... North Melbourne being as good as they were or Carlton being as bad? Switch back to a bit of Geelong individual player talk. Ryan Reynolds, well, Sam Batty's mentioned that the media before, Ryan Reynolds, a respected journal in our books from the, the Addies, predicted some changes um, for Geelong, being Radaglia with the concussion to come out, Clark being in mission, Zach Guthrie, an unlucky in mission, Followed by in Abbott, Joel, and Zach. What are your thoughts on that, boys? Jake? Yeah, I I have to agree with that, to be honest. I think um, Clark definitely looked refreshed and was decent with five tackles, but he only had seven disposals and seems to have lost that class and ball-winning ball ability that he had in the first three to five rounds of the season. Um, Salwood is a walk-up start to the team Zach Tui is a walk-up start ahead of Zach Guthrie and I think Asava can have a rest with that concussion and if he ends up coming back through the VFL that wouldn't be the worst thing his form as we suggested the last couple of weeks has been good he's been playing a role for the team and using his athleticism and marking ability up the ground to help feed the forward line but I think it is time to give uh, a second Ruckman a go. And whether that's Darcy Fort or Ryan Abbott, uh, I would have to agree with that. Abbott's played the last two weeks and he's had that two-goal, 19-disposal, 37-hit-out game last week. And the week before that, he won the best on-ground medal in the VFL for their Easter Monday game as well. So I'd suggest Abbott would be the first one to come in. But I dare say Fort would probably be getting a game soon, considering we drafted him for a reason. Um, I Yeah. As I said, I tend to agree with those three ins. Oh, what do you reckon? Yeah, I I think it's uh, virtually virtually settled that that um, those will be the the inclusions and exclusions. 
to the game. Adlet out, obviously, at this stage, probably for Constable, you'd say. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that seems viable. Following that comes the, I guess, the cloud of cattle of the week upcoming, the predictions. And following that comment, Jay, comes my upcoming cloud of cattle of the week. Jack Abel, Ben Cunnington, Sean Higgins, Todd Goldstein, Shinbona Spirit. All hard nuts, all hard players. For that reason, I'm going to Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins <laughs> to get at least eight tackles and just clean some players up. Yeah. Play a very Glen Archer-like game. Exactly. Yeah. Just Cats to pay five goals. Yeah, just to pay homage to some, you know, to a to a kangaroo's great, even though, you know, we you can respect players from from opposition teams. If Sam Mooney, a- kangaroo's great, <laughs> premiership player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gee, I reckon I'm gonna go with my man, the big Stan Reece Stanley in the ruck. He's been rated as the third best ruckman in the competition since round 13 of last year behind Max Gorn and Brody Grundy, obviously. And I'm going to back him in against Todd Goldstein here. I think he's just going to... He might not win the hitouts, but he's probably going to have, you know, 17 to 20 disposals around the ground, three clearances, and he's been getting around the goals lately too. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up with a couple of goals as a using that mobility and that agility to move down the ground and help the midfield and follow the midfield where possible. I reckon he'll end up with a couple and uh, be one of the better players for Geelong. So... Yeah, Reece Stanley. Tipping a win? Uh, yeah, at this stage, I reckon Geelong by 23. I like it. Ollie? Tim Kelly will continue his form. It's just uh, a, a broken record. I tend to agree it'll be somewhere between a three to four goal win. So I'll go with a 20-point victory to the Cats. We've got 20, 23, and 30 there. So who gets the cherries next week? Thanks, guys. Until next week, until another four points. Let's make it 28 points. Go, Cats. Absolutely, let's go. Go, Cats.